0: Now is the time to get the injury finder injury predictions and fragility ratings on all fantasy relevant players in the app store on Google play and includes recovery analysis from licensed physical therapists and it's only five bucks. This is The Decision Point with Anand Durian and it. I've got the Monkey Knife Fight hat on again. I get emails from the conservator of Monkey Knife Fight letting me know that they are now defunct. And that if I have any money, I need to get it out now or I'll never see it again. And now I'm seeing a bunch of other sports books are going defunct every week. A new sports book is letting us know they are no longer taking
1: bets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not great, Matt.
0: It's crazy. Not-
1: not great. You it's know, crazy. you like to have options and options are disappearing and being replaced by other options, which we know nothing about. So, you know, it's a wild time to be in that space, period.
0: I like that we're affiliated with BetMGM. We, we were uh, trying to get affiliated with a couple others. And then <laughs> before they could get back to us, we found out they're no longer taking bets. And so we were like, OK, never mind. Never mind about that affiliate deal. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. You're not. You're not in the business anymore. Uh, The promo code is Underworld to bet at BetMGM. We we talk about futures here. That's the place to go. You get up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet does not win on BetMGM. I love their app. I love what they're all about. They're cool people. Anand used to be affiliated with uh, that particular sports book, and he has a, a fondness for them as well. Good people over there. What about barstool sportsbook that one is a little more complicated than just fox bet coming out and saying yeah we didn't really know what we were doing we just thought we should do it because everyone's doing it so we did a betting thing and now no one bet so we just shut it down what is going on with the barstool slash espn
1: what's happening so basically what happened was barstool much like they had the partnership with ESPN for PMT for those of you who remember and it got kicked off air after one show on ESPN 2 PMT going- Yeah, Pardon My Take, which is a Barstool show. Got oh. kicked off. Uh, they, they were on ESPN for like I a thought week. it was the Van Show. Van Talk. It, okay, it was is gonna be what va- that's what it was. Okay, it was Van yeah. Talk. Yeah, and then it, it turned into Pardon My Take, which is the podcast that they do. Right. But what happened basically was it was never a match. What Penn wanted Penn is the actual uh, sportsbook company that owned the Barstool sportsbook. So Barstool was operating it as a subsidiary of Penn National Gaming. Penn National Gaming is a big horse racing shop. Yeah. Yeah. So Penn is a legitimate sports book. It's not a joke. They co-branded with Barstool because Barstool's name would carry more weight initially with the new users that they were trying to acquire. The problem is when you run an enterprise like Barstool that's off the cuff and wants to say quite literally whatever the fuck they want, whenever the fuck they want to, the issue becomes regulation. When states are regulating who your employees are, what you can do, what you can say, and how you can go about saying it, things like the can't lose parlay that Big Cat used to throw out all the time aren't really possible anymore. And we know they got into hot water about that. So what they decided was- Penn decided we're gonna chase after (laughs) ESP. Right, right. That's a funny, it's it's clearly a
0: joke. Yeah. But regulators are like, by the letter of the law, you can't use sarcasm. That's not gonna work. This is a serious business. This is heavily regulated. It's only been legal in the last ten years. So
1: please refrain from making jokes, at least for the next few years. And so basically Penn went and asked ESPN, do you want to rebrand this ESPN bet? Because it no longer made sense for Barstool and it no longer made sense for Penn because the way that Barstool runs business was not driving site traffic to their actual app in the manner that they wanted. I think initially it worked out, but after that initial wave of people, they realized these are all casual gamblers. They're not people spending tens of thousands of dollars. We need people that are going to take this seriously in order to make money long-term, especially given the effective tax rates of we, as we've talked about on year. So what they did was they sold uh, Dave Portnoy Barstool in its entirety back. They sold everything that they owned back to him for a dollar with the contingency that if he ever sells it again, they get 50% of what it sells for. So- now, ESPN is going to be remasking quote unquote Barstool Sportsbook as ESPN Bet. Now, you may say that's cool. ESPN wants to enter a market. Here's the problem that I see happening ESPN's people, whether it's Woj, whether it's Shams, you can go down to Schefter, Rappaport, whatever, they move lines with the things that they, that they say and that they come out with. The issue is mm. going to be how regulated are ESPN's employees going to be in terms of what they can and cannot say as they say it. Because in our heads, Vegas is all is is in the risk management business. That's what they do. You think like, it's it's out there that that sports books are in the gambling business. They're not. They're in the risk management business. That's really what they do. So When you come to somebody and say, hey, we're launching this app called ESPN Bet, Penn National Gaming is going to be the actual book itself, but ESPN is going to be heavily involved in it and have their branding attached to it. The question becomes when you have a scenario like last year, when Woj, many people remember this, tweeted out the one, two, three that he thought was going to be in the NBA draft and moved all the lines at every book. And then the player that he had number two overall actually ended up going number one how differently is that regulated when now you're affiliated with a book therein lies the issue. So how do you go about doing this in a manner that people can still believe in the product and believe in the sports books themselves while wondering, you know, does ESPN have information like, will they ask Schefter to withhold something? Will they ask rap to to say something? And the question becomes, can you actually do that? And people are sitting there saying oh well fox bet exists and you know fanduel has partnerships with people yeah but they're not the media like fox bet was not licensed through all of their employees like you know it's it's not like jay glazer was sitting there saying hey this is going to be your number one overall pick whereas a lot of people at espn are giving you information in that manner so it's interesting to see whether or not that will continue how regulated that's going to be and kind of what the future of information gathering and information reporting looks like at espn given now that they're entering a space that is as highly regulated as basically any other space we have oh my yeah this sounds like a real conflict if you look at it from a like you know from a layman's point of view it shouldn't be but it is what do you mean it shouldn't be it It shouldn't shouldn't be be because
0: you, you, you could absolutely see the news breakers starting to self-censor or doubting themselves or delaying posting because like well how is this going to affect espn bets are we going to get in trouble with espn bets what is espn bets going to think about this and now you're in this pretzel this political pretzel internally of of who do i talk to do i get approvals from how do i make sure that no one's mad at me
1: as a content creator that's a really difficult position to be put in and it's a slippery slope too, because Schefter and Rappaport are two of the best at what they do, and they may be hamstrung on one side, and they may be forced to say some stuff on the other. And it's gonna, it's gonna do a lot of the stuff that ESPN has done lately. And I, this is just my personal opinion. I think the the spot that ESPN lost everybody is all of you that are listening to this or watching this right now. You chose to watch this. You came to the YouTube page to watch us, or you clicked on a link on on Apple or on Spotify to listen to what we do. You chose that. For decades, ESPN curated content for people. They were the lone content curator of sports content other than walking out and buying a magazine. Now that that's changed and you can go l- listen to, watch, consume whatever you want from whoever you want, they're losing grip on what made them great. What made them great is they attracted the best talent because they were the only ones capable of doing what they did. Now that that talent has dispersed throughout an industry, they're scrambling to find people, which is why you get a show like McAfee and why they're willing to pay big money for that because there's already an audience. The problem is, again, like Barstool ran into with regula- regulations in terms of gambling, there are going to be regulations in terms of what you can put on network television that, that McAfee show just can't adhere to to stay the same. So what are you really buying? That's the that's the, you know, as you said the pretzel, the DSPN is in, you have to maintain this market share that you have and not let it go down any further. But in doing so, have you hamstrung your best employees and the people that make your company what it is in the process? It is the Barstool Sportsbook app good? It was the the 2.0 version was good. I
0: I, I think it was very good. Yeah, they're going to keep that same technology and yeah, so
1: migrating to a totally new platform. They have to redo the whole sportsbook online experience. I think they're just going to reskin it is my assumption, only okay. because they plan on launching in the next couple of months. And I don't think that you could go through and redevelop all of right. that on the back end. Um, and then I think probably before next football season, you'll get, quote unquote, 3.0, which is really ESPN bet 2.0. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I mean, okay, 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 okay.
0: So ESPN is 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 essentially late to the game, and they're like, "Oh, well, you need a dance partner, a new dance partner. We'll be your new dance partner. We're gonna, we'll take the Dave Portnoy leftovers, right? We'll we'll add some users on from Dave Portnoy. They paid what fifty million dollars initially for the." barstool sports partnership yeah something in that range
1: and now they're giving it back to him for a dollar so dave portnoy banked 50 million dollars not only did he bank 50 million dollars think about all the exposure that barstool Sportsbook got him to new eyes i mean right, right. so he, he at the very least he banked the 50
0: million so they paid 50 million for a bunch of stoolie users a bunch of low value stooly users that's basically what
1: Penn National Gaming bought. Yeah. And the problem with that is they're not going to keep using the app because there are better ones out there whereas Well that, that's ESG- why I asked the question. I
0: was like is the appity good? Will it stay the same? That that's where you have some some user loyalty where they can at least look at this deal they did with Barstool initially as not a total loss. Right. So now they may be setting themselves up for yet another loss with ESPN, because I think they're probably overrating the amount of users that ESPN can bring them. Because, again, if you're already happy with the user experience, if you already have a place where you have your wallet set up and you have your bets and you know how to get around on your phone, the idea you're going to go learn a new app. If you're loyal to Dave Portnoy, you might try it out. That might be enough of a motivation. No one's loyal to Woj. No one's loyal to Adam Schefter. That's not going to be enough to, 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 to force someone to download a new app, set everything up, you know, scan their license, all this stuff that they might have to do to get set up. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. So if Portnoy sells the company at some point for, say, $100 million, like doubles up, right? Oh, it was worth 50 to Penn National. Now, later on, we've actually grown, like I said, with the exposure – and we've been continuing to grow now it's 100 million then he sells it again and then he has to give 50 back so they could get their money back they could actually get their money back if Barstool sells
1: for 100 million dollars i mean if if Barstool goes back to doing what they did that built them this massive audience to begin with which is all the off the cuff stuff that you know people wanted to hear they didn't want a pc you know espnified You know daytime TV talk about sports. They wanted what Barstool brought them, which is great. You know having the options out there to listen to what you want to listen to and consume what you want to consume is the reason that a a big part of why we do what we do here. A
0: contingent equity agreement. If you're in the Dave Portnoy chair, and I'm sort of a unique individual in that I am also in one of these CEO chairs running running a media company, and I can tell you that there's no better deal. Where you get the fifty million and then valuing your company at a hundred million and the only stipulation is, oh, you have to give us fifty percent of the proceeds from any future sale. There's no timeline on when that sale might be, and we're not involved. We just have a contingent equity agreement. There's no one from our board that's influencing you. You don't have to report to us. We just have a piece of paper. That if an event happens in the future, then we'll get money from you. You'll pay us. That'll be great. I'm sure he'll sell at some point. He's going to sell at some point. He's not going to die with his hands clutching barstool. I hope he doesn't. That would be sad. That would be <laughs> I really. Think, look, I mean, Deb, uh, he, he, Dave Portnoy doing Dave Portnoy things at age 60 would just be super, super, super sad. So it's already getting a little sad with with how old he is now. Uh, he's no longer in his 20s when it was fun and, and you know, cheeky. So it's a little less cool now. It's going to get really, really uncool in 10 years. So I'm hoping that he sells and, and then he can uh, maybe start a new company, whatever. Do whatever he wants, right? The bottom line is he doesn't have venture capital guys sniffing around his company every single day, sending him suggestions, he can do whatever he wants, and he just knows that there is this agreement in a drawer somewhere that he has to uh, reference and pull out at some point, if the company ever sells, at some undetermined time in the future. What an amazing deal. Good on him, man.
1: I Sell mean, for $50 million and get Christ. it back for a dollar? I mean, that's... Uh, cool.
0: you, you know what? You know what? You, there are aspects of Dave Portnoy's personality that are not... Necessarily uh, for everybody, we will say that. Right? He 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 certainly alienates a a large percentage of sports fans, and then there are this other percentage of sports fans, a significant percentage of sports fans that think he is the best thing. Mm-hmm. Right? They are as loyal as it gets, the stoolies. So if if it's me and I had to decide, am I going to be uh, just a a, a down the middle, well respected broadcaster? media mogul that people know like respect, but no one feels that passionately about, or am I going to be the guy that 10% of sports fans will go to war for and another, let's say 50% of sports fans despise. I think I'm going to go with a 50, 10. (laughs) I like that. I think the 50, 10, I think there's more value in that. I think there's more fun in that. And so I understand why he has gone in this direction with his whole approach to things, and sometimes you stumble around and you make a bunch of mistakes and you just be yourself and you piss a bunch of people off and you end up with uh, $50 million. Good day to be Dave. Yeah, but that's the thing. is, like, that's $50 million that he got years ago that he's probably invested, probably closer to $100 million now, and he gets to resell the company all over again right so this this could be a 500 million dollar sale the next time and then he's banking 250 plus 50 300 million dollars i mean this is just i can't believe that penn agreed to just give it back to him well then he invests that money and then he's a billionaire yeah (laughs) think about it (laughs) yeah it's just just wild it's wild and you know as someone who has uh, veered away from that approach to alienating a, a a wide swath of the sporting public. I was more in that Dave Portnoy mode, let's say, five years ago. And then I made a decision, hey, I'm going to focus on trying to make people smarter. and That's going to be my focus uh, instead of shenanigans. So I, I've been bending every year, year over year. My content has been a little more focused on just Creating smarter sports fans, helping people learn about sports, learn how to be better fantasy gamers, as opposed to just, uh, you know, uh, an entertainer. So that's the approach I've taken. But, I mean, certainly I owe a significant percentage of my audience to uh, some of the, uh, the the controversies that have swirled around this show and around my brand for the last five years. and And I'm certainly benefiting from that there's no doubt about it. So, you know, it's 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 something that I I appreciate what he's doing and the success that he's had. I'm sure he's worked very hard and you can also feel free to resent him and hate him. That all that, that all these things can all coexist. I can respect him and yet not like him as a person, right? I actually uh, you know, have very complicated feelings about a lot of people, especially people that have achieved a lot of success, because in this chair, I know how hard it is to grow a company, to grow a business, to hire people, to set up people for success, to go through the trials and tribulations of the challenges that happen, the failures, the successes, uh, the, you know, the, the late nights, the paperwork, right, the grind, you know, uh, staring at spreadsheets, and so there, there is an underlying respect that I have there. So when these hit piece articles come out and I'm like, yeah, he shouldn't have said that. Yeah, that was a dick move. Yeah, this guy's a jerk. Whether it's Dave Portnoy or someone else, he did get to this position. And I have a, an idea of what he had to go through to get to this position. So there is this underlying respect. That sort of balances out the eyebrow raise when you you hear about certain certain behaviors or certain
1: uh, statements that have come out. I think the most interesting part, and there are some parallels between, you know, Portnoy and any kind of independent media company that tries to do anything that's in that vein. But it's it's more about the careers launched to me than anything else, whether you're talking about all the barstool personalities or, you know, in our case, all the people, especially the people that I talked to in Canton that were like, yeah, the first major show that I ever went on was Matt's, um, you know, whether it's Mind of Mansion, whatever it was, you know, the amount of people that have come up to me all over the place that are like, yeah, Matt helped me launch my career in this industry. That goes a long way and that doesn't show up on a spreadsheet and that doesn't show up on a, you know, on a business valuation somewhere, but it does help create those, those people that you're talking about that lifelong will listen to whatever it is that you do. And I think that that to some degree matters more than, you know, whatever the valuation of the company that Portnoy puts on is, is he's created people that no matter what he does are always going to follow everything that he does to the ends of the earth.
0: That's true. That's a really, really, really good point and something that I'm really proud of. And it's it's not just altruism, though. That's the thing. It's selfish. I want our writers, our analysts to go on and have full time jobs and success with other places, you know, places like Roto World. Right. I love seeing people go and, and have success elsewhere because that helps us. Right. There are conversations that happen and say, hey, one of the best places to start your career is player profiler. And then we benefit from getting resumes we would not have otherwise gotten. So that is it is a selfish act. It's not just me being like, I'm a good guy. I'm trying to help people out. No, I, I it, it what you get back is what you put in. You have to pay it forward and then it circles back and it comes back to you. You don't even see it all the time. You don't even know about it. You only hear about it. If we didn't do this show, I wouldn't know that you had those conversations in Canton. And that makes, that just swells me up to hear that. It's great. Actually, I was talking to Dave Kluge yesterday from football guys. And he mentioned an exchange that we had on Twitter many years ago that I had forgotten. I didn't know, but he's like, I'll never forget this exchange with Mike Clay from ESPN. And at the time, Dave Kluge was getting criticized for, the, you know, he, he was or, or accused of misquoting a beat reporter. And he didn't actually misquote the beat reporter. He quoted what the beat reporter had said on television, which was a different version of what was written. I, for whatever reason, just decided that like, hey guys, uh, this guy has less than a thousand followers and he's, you know, paying attention and he's grinding, maybe don't bring the hammer down on him for misaligning a goddamn quote from a beat reporter and maybe take this like a touch less serious and try to ruin a guy's career that's just getting started like you know extinguishing a nascent career just because right you have a hundred thousand plus followers and just because you can throw your weight around this is totally disproportionate what's happening to this guy in terms of the criticism enough already shut the fuck up let this guy analyze football and have a good time and jesus christ calm down it's sports that kind of attitude right why yeah. i decided at that moment to take that stand i'll never know i mean i don't remember it there's so many things that have happened so many shows i've done so many tweets that i'll never remember and and dave was like dude when you tweeted back at all those people, when you clapped back at all those people, that made a big difference to me. And I was like, "You know what, Dave? I'm glad. I don't remember anything about this. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. even, I couldn't tell you anything about it. I believe you, Dave. I believe you." <laughs> you know? Then he's like, "Whenever you need me on a show, even if I'm busy last minute, I'll come on. You got me whenever you need me." And that yep. Is again why you do that instead of piling on. You always have the option, right? You always have the option of piling on. You can choose to not pile on, and then once in a while, when it looks like someone's being unfairly treated on social media, you can actually speak up and be like, Hey guys, maybe not pile on here. Maybe this doesn't make sense. And then you never know. You never know. You don't necessarily do it because you know, Hey, I'm going to help this guy out. And, and, and one day he's going to become an analyst for football guys and he's going to have more followers than me and he's going to help my podcast. That was not what I was thinking. I was like, hey, maybe this guy's just
1: trying to pass on a beat report. Leave him alone, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes. And it happens so fast. Like the, the thing that, that didn't happen, you know, 10, 15 years ago is you put a tweet out there and in five minutes everyone and their mothers read it and it's all over the front pages somewhere and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we doing here? And it happens all the time. Every day within, you know, football Twitter, or even fantasy football Twitter, if you want to, you know, even if you want to break it down further, someone gets to be the main character. And your goal is to never intend. Uh, your goal is never unintentionally to be the main character. Yeah, been that guy
0: a few times. I called myself the content colossus at one point in a tweet. <laughs> That's the thing that happened. It was quote tweeted over a hundred times. Just so it was heavily ratioed. It was heavily, and then I leaned into it. And I, you know, so so, this is a true story. I'm 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 being sort of uh, vetted. By Fairfield University to teach a class on social media. That's a thing that's happening. We'll see what happens. Right. So I don't even know if I have time. So we'll see what happens. Right. We'll see what happens. But but that tweet is going to be like a, a lesson in the class. Right. Like I could have reacted a whole bunch of different ways. But what did I do? I retweeted a bunch of these quote tweets. I leaned into it. I celebrated it. I laughed about it. And then I put it in my bio content Colossus and I moved on. And everyone that was mad at me was left shaking their head, walking away, going, "Ah, I got away with it again. (laughs) He was an arrogant buffoon and he got away with it again. And it's like, hey, man that's because I know it's not real. That's because I know it's fake. It's just a digital device that's just ones and zeros flashing colors on a screen. And you can you can treat it like it's a big part of your life, or you could just treat it for what it is, which is just entertainment and not that serious, and sports. So it's sports and social media. When you talk about like sports and social media, and then you layer on top, oh, not just sports, but fantasy sports the game that's on top of yet another game. So it's layers of games. We're talking about layers of games, right? On what is essentially a Game Boy, a color Game Boy, which is what you know, when I was a kid, we had a Game Boy. And that's basically what this phone is. That's just it's just a color Game Boy. And it's games on top of games on a Game Boy. And if at any time you're 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 gonna wallow in anything that happens on here, I would just ask you to not do that and take it everything uh with a wink and a nod that's my advice to the kids we just had a lesson we just that's the lesson uh, and homework right go read the chapter of this book that i'll find you know be, being an adjunct professor is really it's not it's not hard is this required reading there's hey <laughs> that's that helps If you want to be an adjunct professor, it helps to be, it helps, yes, we both have it. We both, it helps to be a published author, the Dynasty Dominator book. We are getting very distracted on it, and I'll, you know, up front, forthright with the audience, why we're being so distracted, because today we're supposed to talk about the NFC South. Do we have to do this? I know, right? It's not good. It's not anything we're looking forward to. We don't have... Super Bowl props that we're excited about, MVP props. There's not a lot to talk about. Thankfully, thankfully, we have the world famous draft kit and the team insights. And the world famous draft kit tell us a lot about these teams, and that's what I'm going to be referencing. And there's one particular rookie player on one of these teams that I'm excited about that now is triggering a lot of people. You know, and again, it just goes to show like uh, the level of trolling. If you treat Twitter like a game like a game boy and and not serious you can have a lot of fun with it you can have a lot of fun with it so for example uh i i did i'll talk about this in a little bit in fact uh we'll we'll uh we'll talk about this uh, at length in a minute because i i actually we have to uh we have to go to a, a segment we're going to talk about that tweet after this Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their Signature Players Championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues... All types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC. And remember, use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. So, yeah, I've been active on social media recently. On Twitter, especially recently, at Fantasy underscore Mansion, I said that we're blessed, hashtag blessed, with legit wide receiver talents like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, Marvin Mims, Jaden Reed... And then I listed a particular six-round wide receiver, and that triggered everybody. You know, that triggered I said We're blessed with all these guys. Why are we worried about Quentin Johnson? Why are we talking about Quentin Johnson? We have all these great talents. And I included a a six-round wide receiver on that list of first-round wide receivers and sublime second-round wide receivers. And that just – that really took people into spinning. I should have included Michael Wilson on that as well. Uh, That would have added to – uh, maybe, maybe not. No, actually, no. Not the like, outrage. It was. It would have been better. No, it's better. It was better just to have first and second round wide receivers, and then a sixth rounder, just to trigger everybody. And then before that tweet, I retweeted uh, an article from ESPN. This is what they're good at. This is what ESPN's good at. ESPN's not good at sports betting and sports booking. What they are good at is reporting on stories about sports and 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 sportsmen. Michael Orr. Michael Orr. Was essentially trapped in a conservatorship as Britney Spears was. So Michael Orr was the Britney Spears of the NFL. That's a thing that happened. And he's just now, he's been out of the league for a while, and he's just now figuring out his life, figuring out what's, you know, and why his bank account is not as full as it should be from the royalties from the blindside book and movie that were raging successes at the time uh, books and movies that would not be nearly as successful today in 2023 they were certainly of a time right they they they're one of the more dated movies that was made in the last 10 years you could possibly watch is the blindside <laughs> you're like wait what no OK, this is this is that's just a movie that would not fly, at least at that level of success. I think it, I think it won Oscars. It's embarrassing that that movie won Oscars. That wasn't it wasn't even a good movie. And, and the premise is ridiculous. So it, it's not even believable. And then he comes out now 10 years ago. And he's like, yeah, you're right. That, that movie was bullshit. And in fact, they had me sign this this conservatorship. And, and I lost control of the rights to myself, right? The, the, th- the thing is, though, if, if if this if it were 10 years later, you have all this name, image and likeness uh, law that's in place and the new regulations with the NCAA and all these lawyers that now specialize in this, that, that never would have happened. Right? You can't you can't give away the rights your nil rights? Are you insane? What are you doing? You're gonna be a first round pick in the NFL. Don't do that. So no one would let him do that nowadays. But th- that again, it was you know, that was it was the it was the aughts. It was the early two thousands when that all went down and that all happened. And uh, it's, it's a cautionary tale. I don't know why it took him this long to
1: take action to get this conservatorship repealed. Your guess is as good as mine. I just, I'm more of the opinion that I can't believe Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw lied to us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
0: like, People like that movie, man. They like a lot of people. Legitimately like that movie, and I was like, I don't like that. This movie is weird, man. I don't think it's a. I don't. I don't like it. I don't like Tim McGraw in this role. I don't like whoever they, they got to play. Tim Michael McGraw Orr. as the lead. It's a bad <laughs> movie, man. It was a bad movie when it was made. It never should have won an Oscar. It was just. Oh. It was. It was a poor portrayal. It wasn't even true to the book. That's the thing. The book apparently was not a 100% true representation of what happened in Michael Orr in particular. And then they made Michael Orr even more cartoonish in the movie. And so, yeah, it it was offensive, especially now in retrospect, now that he's coming out and, and talking about it, the movie is now officially like an offensive work. And most likely Michael Lewis is embarrassed, Sandra Bullock's embarrassed, a lot of people are embarrassed, but I also have to say that yes, they should be embarrassed, Michael Orr deserves to be embarrassed as well for letting this go on. If like the day after his football career was over, he started going through his papers and being like, what the fuck? That would make sense. But it's been years. What have you been doing? What have you what are you waiting for? That's the weird thing. That's going to be their defense. I think that's going to be the defense of the two. He's been like,
1: hey, if he was so wronged by this, what uh, what day is it? That movie came out what, like 15 years ago. God, it's it's been forever. How when when was his last game in the NFL? It was years ago. I haven't
0: seen the name Michael Orr on a depth chart in many years. In a long time, yeah. So there's He's really there's too. something weird, bizarre going on where there's a lot of people that could have done better. You know, I think that Michael Orr could have done better. There's a possibility that the two E's are going to be more than embarrassed they're going to be fully ashamed if if they if, if if their kids are making millions and he's making nothing from this movie that is an impossibility anyone with an ethical brain
1: knows that that should be an impossibility i think unless they're fully exonerated from everything they're accused of doing this just doesn't look good and it it taints the book it taints the movie it, it you know does a bunch of things to a lot of people that you know cared about that story whether it's cuz they they were in a similar situation they know someone that was in a similar situation it was in a somewhat relatively aspirational story even if we didn't love the movie side of it the story itself was really cool as was told to us and it clearly if it didn't go the book was
0: good it wasn't one of Michael Lewis's better books in fact i think it was one of his worst books Right. Like it it was it's down there with like the new new thing. Like it's not one of the it's one of the worst Michael Lewis books he's ever written. He's written a bunch of good books. Liar's poker. He's had some really good books. Okay, That's not one of them. Right. He is a good author. He is a good storyteller. You can't tell me he's not good. Right. He's certainly mad. Right. And he certainly should have uh, done more research verifying the source material from the two Absolutely should have talked to more people, uh, probably more people from Michael Orr's actual neighborhood where he grew up. That would have been a good thing to do. That would have been a start, Michael Lewis. And I'm sure Michael Lewis right now is regretting some of the things that he wrote in the book and the way he approached it. I'm sure he is. He has to be. I'm sure he's feeling ashamed. When I saw the story come out, that was my first reaction was, oh, man, Michael Lewis
1: is pissed. Michael Lewis must be pissed. Because, I mean, he it's not like he curated, you know, a, an entire, you know, movie that had other moving parts. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it falls on him.
0: Yeah, he needed to go verify some of these stories with more people than just the two telling him what happened. But also, if they told him uh, a a version of events that didn't actually go down the way he wrote it, went down. Woof. Yeah, he's pissed. He's really oh, yeah. pissed off. Gotta be. He's, 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 he's really mad. And, you know. I'm mad that we have to talk about the NFC South, but we have to do it. So I think we just do it quickly. We've had it. This is one of the best shows we've done because we've not talked about (laughs) the NFC South. We've talked about a lot of other things that are happening right now. Uh, Dave Portnoy (laughs) getting his company back for a dollar and Michael Orr maybe finally clawing back some of of the royalties from the blind side. That's a good story. So we have some feel-good stories out there. Uh, And... uh, New Orleans Saints, they're the favorite. They're the favorite. That that I get. I'm trying to. I'm trying to spin this into like a feel good story for the Saints, but it's really not because it's a terrible bet. I mean, they're they're what plus one thirty on BetMGM to win the NFC South. That is a terrible, terrible bet. they're, they're one. They're the most fragile favorite to win a division i could think of
1: yeah i am this whole division is a stay away in terms of anything outside of just base division odds or if you feel good about an over under win total this is not a division that's going to produce an mvp this is not the division that's going to produce you know a super bowl team or conference champion uh So basically you're locked into what you see, barring something incredible happening, you know, which we don't see happening. And I don't think many others do either. That's why you can get them at the odds that you can get any of these teams to win the Super Bowl. They're not amongst the favorites, even though someone's got to win this division. Someone in this division is going to get a home playoff game that truthfully they probably don't deserve. Last year it was Tampa. At eight and nine, by the way, yeah, that's going to get lost to time. That Tom Brady's final season was sub 500 and they still won the division. Well, will anyone even get to eight and nine in this division? I go look at the win totals, Matt. (laughs) It's not rosy, it's 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 a coin flip, really. That's what it it boils down
0: to. The Saints are also 40 to one to win the Super Bowl, so uh, yeah, Mm -mm. mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm mm. Not a good bet. That's that's again, one of the worst bets. There, there's not a reality that exists where the Saints win the Super Bowl. But well, that's just no. that, that's that's the worst bet. This is all bad. The New Orleans Saints do, though. What's interesting, they project to be 75th percentile in plays run 75th percentile in total rush attempts, total passing yards Derek Carr is going to progress back to what Derek Carr was. Derek Carr was a perennial 4,000-yard passer. He may not get there just based on the fact that they're going to be winning a lot of these games, and they're going to be up, and they're going to be running the ball. You can see that the rush attempts, higher percentile versus the rest of the league. So in our World Famous Draft Kit, we project them for 478 rush attempts, 575 pass attempts, that would push Derek Carr over four thousand yards, but it's not a lock. It's not a lock if you're gonna be sitting on the football taking the air out
1: against the Buccaneers, the Panthers, and the Falcons. And two of those teams are gonna probably try to run the ball as much as possible too, in the Bucs and, and the Falcons. Um New Orleans is just in a weird spot. They're the default favorite to win this division because the rest of the teams are bad. You know, yeah. if you if you transplant them to the nfc west or the nfc east they're the third best team by a pretty wide margin in either of those maybe even the fourth best team in some of them um their win total of nine and a half seems very high even given the schedule even given who's in the division just because we've seen quarterbacks with scenic changes not hit year one anyway And I think Derek Carr is an efficient enough quarterback and a smart enough guy that he's going to make it work. But there is built-in one regression there. Any given year, Derek Carr is somewhere between QB 10 and QB 20. And he's very rarely, it's, it's a weird conundrum with him, he's very rarely like QB 15. It's always either he's in that 8 to 12 range or he's in that 18 to 22 range based on Basically, anything that's out there. And he'll go, he'll waffle back and forth. He'll give you a season where you look at him and you go, okay, like we can see what you are. And that is a top 10 quarterback in the league. And then the following year, he'll come out and put something together that makes you want to get rid of him altogether. So, which Derek Carr do we get? And then another thing is they have the most volatile backup quarterback in the league in Jameis Winston, in the case that mm. if he gets hot, you know, if Derek goes down and he gets hot. He can win you five games in a row, but he could also single-handedly lose you five games in a row. There is nothing to feel good about in terms of betting the Saints this year, only because there are so many unknowns. They're still working through cap situations from back when Breeze was there. They've had to extend some guys they probably wouldn't have otherwise extended. You've got Kamara suspended for the first three games of the year. They're still holding on to hope that Michael Thomas comes back as that guy again there's, there's a lot that, that, to this team where you could see if all the pieces work out. You know, if you can string everything together, they could be a pretty good team by the end of the year, but they're not going to compete with the Eagles and the Niners and the Cowboys. They just don't have the horses to do that, and they no. don't have the space to go get them. And I I don't even think that they, they could really compete with a team like the Lions at the moment, but someone's got to win this division. And obviously, for that reason, New Orleans has been installed as the favorite.
0: Derek Carr goes to the saints signed a big contract right so let's let's pull up his contract is an interesting contract it was more than i thought he was going to get and then again i went back and looked at his statistics so it was is 150 million dollars over four years void year money i think also but there's There's a lot of void year money yeah so if we look at it it's 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 it depends on how you look at it like you could also look at it as a three-year deal right so they're yeah they're there's an out in 2026. It's really a three-year deal for $100 million. That's really what it is in terms of guaranteed money. And then that year for 2026, the cap hit is going to be 55 million. And that will be three years from now. Derek Carr will be 35 years old. So I think there's like a 10% chance that Derek Carr actually uh, plays under that year of the contract, he'll either restructure or he'll end up getting traded. Something else will happen before he ever sees that particular year of the contract. But it's a three-year, hundred million dollar contract, and the reason why is that he put up four consecutive seasons with a sixty-five percent completion percentage and four thousand yards. There's only a handful of quarterbacks that have ever done that in the NFL ever.
1: He is the kind of guy that is consistent when everything around him stays consistent. But I don't know that moving a guy like that, you know, when he had an Amari Cooper back in the day, when when he's had, you know, the guys that he trusts to be in the spots. Devontae Adams last year. I mean, he flamed out 3,500 yards with Devontae Adams. That was just a weird thing. Michael Crabtree back in the day when when he was a Raider right there there there've there been some guys that yeah he he's clearly trusts he's had guys and if michael thomas comes back and can be 70% of what he was and we think what we think olave could be they're productive players here it's not like this is not a dead to rights situation it, no. it's not like he's going to the worst offense in the league by any means but so much of it is fragile so many players that are being paid big dollars have to stay healthy and that starts and ends with with you know Derek himself that's a lot of money to invest in a quarterback that's never taken a snap, and and it is what it is. I understand the quarterback landscape and what's going on and why you paid him that, but that's a lot of money to pay a guy that has never taken a snap for your franchise. To take
0: a, a team like the Saints to win the division at just like plus one thirty on BetMGM is just wild. Promo code Underworld, by the way. It, it's it's absolutely wild because they're so fragile. They're so thin. They have no depth. They're again, they're 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 the division favorite that has the least depth. They've hunted all their picks they've overpaid free agents it's been a it's been a a master's class on on how not to build a franchise and and how to how to go through one of the most painful rebuilds it's an extended five-year rebuild is really what they're looking at this team cannot compete for a championship now or for the foreseeable future so it becomes about fantasy football and for fantasy football the passing game is interesting because you have Derek Carr going to be a 4,000 yard passer probably because he's got the right weapons in the right areas of the football field. So in the, in if you look at the quadrant by quadrant, okay, in those that deeper quadrant, you've got Rashid Shaheed, a true burner. Right, And and he is a talented field stretcher. He is the real deal. He's a field stretcher that actually can command some target volume. Uh, and he can run those jet sweeps. He's, he's, he's not a one-dimensional field stretcher by any means. Then you've got Chris Olave, who can win in every quadrant. And then you've got Michael Thomas, who is now a one-dimensional possession receiver only. One of these guys is going to give you the 10 yards per reception. He's going to be near the the bottom of the league. In target depth, that's just what he is, right? They also have a seam stretcher in Jawan Johnson at tight end. And they have one of the better satellite backs in the league in Alvin Kamara. It is a nice, nice, well-constructed quality passing game. So I do believe that they they exceed expectations. And I think they're going to miss expectations with our run game projections for them. Because Kendra Miller sprained his knee. He's going to be questionable for week one. If it's Jamal Williams and Jamal Williams, his efficiency nosedived across the board. You look at juke rate, look at our advanced efficiency metrics on player profiler, breakaway run rate. This guy was outside the top 45 in all of these advanced efficiency metrics. Now he's 28 years old. So you just have, you have a true between the tackles grinder who doesn't offer you any explosive run ability. You have an injured rookie and you have a suspended satellite back. This is going to be more about Derek Carr than I think any of us realize. I think Derek Carr's a, a great pick in fantasy, especially Superflex leagues. He's one of my favorite picks in Superflex because he goes after Kirk Cousins and these other pocket passers, but he could be Kirk Cousins' equal. just in ter- and, and he has been Kirk Cousins' equal for many years. right? And, and you could argue this is one of the better receiving cores, one of the best talent configurations he has from wide receiver to tight end to running back in his history in the NFL. So I'm excited to see what he does. He also has, as his fourth receiver, who may be the third receiver, who may be the second receiver on this team, a player I love that I tweeted about, and I referenced this earlier, A.T. Perry. A.T. Perry, the best day three draft pick at the wide receiver position, a completely and utterly dominant college football player, 1,300-yard season as a junior, and the target share just kept going up. He posted a 27% target share with a 63% catch rate, which was 10% higher catch rate than he did the previous season as a senior. And in those final two years, 1,300 yards, 1,100 yards at Wake Forest, 26 26 receiving touchdowns. And he showed out at the Shrine Bowl. Zay Flowers practiced for one day and left. A.T. Perry was a stud the entire week. The Shrine Bowl has new management and they've been attracting some players that the Senior Bowl has wanted to attend their event. And they are now the Senior Bowl starting to lose some players like Zay Flowers and A.T. Perry to the Shrine Bowl. So now the fact that he didn't go to the Senior Bowl, went to the Shrine Bowl. That's not the indictment that it was, say, for Tyler Johnson a few years ago. So A.T. Perry, very interesting player. Certainly the the day three wide receiver we have ranked highest in Dynasty And we officially and I mean, this this is not aligned with consensus in any way, shape or form. Officially, we have A.T. Perry ranked ahead of Michael Thomas in Dynasty. Get ready. You know, we're, we're making a call. We're making a call that Michael Thomas is dust. That's not as much about Mike. Uh, that's not as much about A.T. Perry as it is about Michael Thomas. We're just making the call. Dust. The other
1: part of this that's interesting is in New Orleans in terms of fantasy players, uh, their first two games are at Minnesota and then the Bears, who were two of the worst defenses in the league last year. So that Carl Olave DFS stack might not be as ridiculous as it's. <laughs> As it sounds, that could win some people some serious money. So that's something to consider. Oh, look at their schedule. Their schedule is fascinating in that they play
0: the shootout schedule of September and October. Vikings, Bears, Eagles, bye week Lions, right? Then then they face the Bills in week eight. That could actually get dragged into the mud. The Bills defense is, is when it's at Buffalo, it's a problem. So the Vikings, Bears... Eagles, Lions, they're going to have to throw to be competitive. And I think that everyone's going to be happy they drafted Derek Carr. And then we're going to be suggesting for fantasy football that you trade Derek Carr in October. Because in the second half, I don't see a single shootout with the exception of Jacksonville Week 16. Now, that is a that is a fantasy playoff game. That's a good game. You want exposure to the Jaguars and the Saints for Week 16. But... It is Houston, Tennessee, 49ers, Colts, Panthers, Falcons, Packers. Oof. I mean what all those games I listed, it could we could be looking at none of those games with a 40 or more point total. Those games could all come in at an over under. Of 37 38 39 39 and a Yuck. half Yuck. it's very possible now the, the 49ers game they're they're gonna some points gonna be scored in that game so certainly that's gonna the 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 total will be over 40 for that game but some of these games like green at Green Bay gross at Atlanta gross
1: right the the I mean the Titans gross gross Saints. Saints-Titans is going to be an ugly game. It's so ugly. The
0: ug- One of the ugliest games. Camaro's going to be back, so they're going to be running the ball even more. It's going to be bad. Oh, It's going to be so – I'm just like – it's Yuck. grotesque.
1: Not grotesque.
0: And it, this is what happens when you cross against your own division, of course. You play your own division, two games against each team, plus then you cross against the AFC South. It's just gross where you have to play the Titans. You have to play the Colts. These are all low scoring games. So enjoy Derek Carr in September and October
1: and trade him before the fantasy deadline. That is the move. Yeah. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna invest in Derek Carr this year, I think that's the move, especially in a in a format where you, you can trade him. Like in SFB, you you you, you just stuck with them. Yeah, and in Scott Fishbowl, you
0: can't trade him. So the the next favorite in this division is the Falcons, right? They are two to one. On BetMGM, and that's a, that's a, that's a good bet. That's a good bet. Except it's Desmond Ritter at quarterback, so I'm I'm questioning uh, Desmond Ritter's ability to to win a division. You're winning a division with Desmond Ritter and or Taylor Heineke. That seems far fetched to me. And uh, then you have uh, their, their defense. They've not invested as much in their defense as they should have. They've been investing in tight end in the top 10 and running back in the top 10. They've been focused on all the wrong positions and all the wrong rounds. And that's why this is not going to be a team that can make it to 500 total plays. We have them projected to run less than a thousand plays. One of the league bottom teams in pass attempts so this idea that uh, B. John Robinson is going to soak up all these targets, I I wonder where these targets are going to come from. It's the number one reason why B. John Robinson is being overdrafted. It's because they're not going to throw enough to feed him the targets that people want in is a super all purpose, all everything, all terrain stud. Yeah, on an offense where they throw the ball and they score points, that's good for fantasy. But when it's all between the 20s rushes, he's probably going to lead the league in between the 20s rushes. That's not the the path to, to to winning a fantasy championship if he's going to be the, the first running back off the board. I'm seeing in half PPR leagues, standard leagues. I had a – there's a a colleague of my wife. This is the level I'm at now. A colleague of my wife is texting my wife to text me who he should draft at the at the 101 or the 102. He's, he has an early pick in his standard league. It's a standard scoring league. And uh, I said Austin Eckler. I mean, Duh. Duh! It's like oh, Austin Eckler's a satellite back. Austin Eckler is a, a undersized. He's more of a pass catcher. This is a, this is not PPR. Doesn't matter. Austin Eckler is going to score double digit touchdowns. He's going to get lots of yards in the passing game. He's going to get lots of yards in the running game. Behind him is Joshua Kelly. It's one of the most prolific offenses in the league. Go get Austin Eckler. Yes, I have Austin Eckler ahead of Christian McCaffrey on my personal rankings. Who I'm drafting. I trust Eckler at this point in his career to stay healthy more than I trust Christian McCaffrey. I also think there's less competition for touches in what's going to be a more prolific offense. So there's more upside with Los Angeles than there is with San Francisco. And I don't see a a big talent disparity between these two players. So to me, it's Austin Eckler Uh, in standard leagues, in PPR leagues. The first running back off the board should be Eckler in Half PPR and full PPR, of course, I want Jamar Chase and, and Justin Jefferson. In full PPR, I'd even I'd rather draft Amon Ross St. Brown than Austin Eckler. But in standard leagues, right? Standard leagues where you're just, okay, how many total yards can this guy put up? Austin Eckler can easily put up 1,000 uh, rushing yards and uh, you know 500-plus receiving yards. There's 1,500 yards right there. And then he projects to score more touchdowns than any of the receivers. So there you go for standard leagues. There you go. I don't even know what I was talking about. I don't know why I started talking about Eckler. All I know is in standard leagues, the answer is not... Fucking Bijan Robinson at the
1: 101. I just want to make sure everyone knows that. And the Falcons are going to win games based on running the ball and mashing people because their O line is good. But they're not, even if they win this division, they're not going to go deep in the playoffs and do any real damage just because they don't have the juicy quarterback required to do that. And a part of that is, you know, the players that they've drafted instead, whether it's a tight end and right. pits or running back and Bijan, there are plenty, you know, not that, not that we don't like them as players, as we've said before. We love Kyle Pitts and Bijan as players. It's just a matter of what are you giving up to take them where you took them? And the answer is now Desmond Ritter is your quarterback. Now, this could all blow up in their faces, and they end up with Drake May next year, and suddenly we're talking about them in a very different light. But That would be cool. Clearly, <laughs> and that that's not what we're looking at right now. So this team is Interesting. They're going to be in games because they're going to be in a lot of low-scoring games where they grind stuff out. It's a great team to look at over the course of the year, especially if if Bijan stays healthy and Ritter is what we think he is. It's a great team to bet on unders all season long because they're just going to drag games into the mud and try to win them that way. Whereas New Orleans is going to throw the ball all over the yard at least early on. Um, so you know you can kind of lean into teams' identities a little bit and. Even if Atlanta does score twenty points, they're probably they're, they're going to sit there, and th- that's not going to be every week. They're not scoring you know twenty eight points a week like some of these high powered offenses are.
0: And I'm looking at the depth charts on the on the draft kit, world famous draft kit, and I'm looking at uh, Jesse Bates. They've they've improved their secondary. They they have invested in edge and the secondary, so they are not going to be uh, giving up as many passing attempts and passing yards as they have prior. So. They're going to be more competitive, but in low scoring contests like this is not good for fantasy. Them investing in their secondary is not good if you're trying to get fantasy points to be scored, especially by Kyle Pitts and Drake London. It's okay. It's okay if your quarterback is not super efficient as long as you're setting the team up structurally to throw a lot, which is what. Washington's doing right Washington has has a, a below average defense and they did not invest in the running game this offseason so that's why I like Tara McLaurin in the fifth round I'm gonna draft Terry McLaurin before I draft Drake London absolutely because maybe Ritter's better than Sam Howell I think Ritter is better than Sam Howell but the team is structured in Atlanta To ground and pound, Washington is in a division where they're going to have to score a lot more points to be competitive, and and this wasn't a team that was signaling to us in the offseason, oh, we want to be a running team. (laughs) That's the difference. That's the difference. Now, Carolina also wants to be a running team, right? They want to protect their rookie quarterback. They're going to want to run Miles Sanders, though Miles Sanders is now hurt. And so Chuba Hubbard, one of my favorite handcuff running backs. I talked about my favorite handcuff running backs on the last Mind of Mansion show. Check it out in the podcast. I I laid it out in my monologue why Chuba Hubbard is a top five handcuff because this team has road graders on the line. One of the better run blocking units. And they're going to want to protect their rookie quarterback, and they're going to be in these ground-and-pound games, and the running game is going to put up 100-plus yards. And you look at the, the the draft kit, they are projected to to have a 469 rush attempts, which is well above average. Terrace Marshall is carted off, though he did sit in the front seat. He's questionable for week one with a back injury, so that makes DJ Chark a little more interesting. And Chuba Hubbard's very interesting, a must draft, because Miles Sanders is week to week, and they're hopeful. Oh, you got the
1: hopeful. Gotta He's going to be ready time. for week one. Even if he plays, you're going to see a lot of Hubbard. This is a strange team because the defense is good. Like the Carolina's defense is a legitimately good unit. No one cares because they play in Carolina, and the offense has been absolute dog water for a couple of years. But... They're doing the right things. Even if you don't think Bryce Young was the right quarterback to take, at least they invested in quarterback. At least they're understanding, hey, we need to go get him pass catchers. We need to go get him something. I don't think the passing game is going to be prolific this year, but if they go do what Chicago did, you know, which is we'll solve our wide receiver one problem. And obviously it took them giving up DJ Moore to to go get Bryce Young, which is part of the issue that they have in their receiver room right now. Ah! But, You know, you you go into next year, if you can find a second round player that you really like And next year's wide receiver class should be pretty solid. If you can find somebody that you like in day two to play, you know, one of those receiver spots, all you need is a one. And that makes everybody more viable. But you could even get away with playing two twos. You just need to show something out of this receiver room. Until then, yeah, Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard are your two guys that you want in this offense. Bryce Young, maybe if you're in super flex and you're looking at that late board and looking for a dart though, but I still wouldn't do it. There are guys in that range that I would still rather have than Bryce. No,
0: no, Uh, he's being overdrafted. He doesn't have the receivers, they don't have the horses. And Bryce Young's going to be a rookie, and he's going to, most rookies are overwhelmed. Uh, with you know, from an information processing standpoint, a lot of a, a lot of problems. So no, no, no to Bryce Young. Hard no on Bryce Young in seasonal leagues. No, definitely get out of here. No, it 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 boils down to Chuba Hubbard for fantasy. But this is the team to bet on to win the division. One of it, my favorite bets on BetMGM is you have the Panthers at plus. 350 to win this division because to me it's a coin flip between them and the saints i think they're a better team than the falcons the saints have more superstars more players you know right more brand name players but the panthers have more depth and actually more quality across
1: the board yeah i think that the two things that you look at are the panthers o line is Really good, which is going to allow them to run the air out of the ball in situations where the defense or, you know, they, they hit a big play and then they play keep away because they can do that. They're capable of doing that. And I know that we see that as Atlanta's path to winning. But the thing is, the Panthers defense can flip the field a couple of times for him, too. It's not just one dimensional where you're running the ball to keep the ball away from, you know, you having to play defense. The Panthers can win games with their defense, which is something that I don't think many other teams in this division can do. And I think that's going to give Bryce opportunities to, you know, put together one special drive late in games, much like we saw last year from Kenny Pickett. Where it's if your team, if the team around you can keep you in games long enough to see, do we have a guy that can go lead late game drives to win us games? I think they're capable of doing that in a way that, you know, the Falcons probably aren't quite yet defensively. But New Orleans, again, breaking in a new quarterback, Carolina is more likely than three and a half to one to win this division. That's right. And I, and I like the over on the seven and a half wins. If there's again, eight wins, very, very
0: conceivable. To this team because again they cross against the AFC South that we we talk about oh is anyone in this division going to get to eight and nine yeah Carolina can do it absolutely but more likely than not the reason why a team does get to eight and nine is because they cross against the AFC South their schedules in this division are going to be the thing that saves them and allows them to to not be the most embarrassing team to ever make the NFL playoffs. Tampa can't make the playoffs. Tampa uh, could be the worst team in the league, though. Baker Mayfield has impressed in preseason. He has. You got to admit
1: it. They're on Caleb Williams' watch. That's, they have that's to what be, we're right. That's that's what we're doing here. We're on Caleb Williams' watch. Look, Baker is a serviceable quarterback and has been for some years. He's just never going to have the ceiling that you require to actually make some noise against teams that matter. He's perfect for what they're trying to do here. They're, they're going to run the ball a significant amount. He's at his best on play action, on boots, when he can get out and throw with no one in front of him. We've seen him do that really well for years now. It's, that's not a new thing. Obviously, Rashad White is, you know, that's that's the guy that you want um, in this backfield. But also, you know, Evans and Godwin are relatively priced under what they have been for the last decade so
0: the godwin doesn't make any sense godwin should be going at least around earlier mike evans is just dust mike evans uh is struggling to get separation on the outside when you lose your explosiveness that's the thing that you needed to go up vertically and make these contested catches when you have no yak ability whatsoever suddenly Mike Evans has no outs. Mike Evans has no tools to get open. He has no ability to, to, to do the things on a football field that are required to generate receiving yards. So I believe that for that reason and that Russell Gage is out for the year targets are going to funnel to Chris Godwin. He is the guy I'm circling in these middle rounds, like round five, round six. That's where I'm drafting Chris Godwin. That is the guy in those rounds. I don't, have anyone else that I, I want more than him. I know Deontay Johnson's a good value in those rounds as well. Definitely. Godwin's the guy. Godwin's the guy because Baker Mayfield's going to be good enough. Baker Mayfield was uh, 8 out of 9. He was 8 for 9 for 63 yards and a touchdown no interceptions. So he had like a 132 passer rating in week 1 of preseason. Looked good. And again, Mike Evans will at least keep defenses honest if he can't do anything anymore. Godwin is going to be a target magnet and... <laughs> Because the targets are consolidated, that also means 100 targets for Rashad White. Rashad White is going to be a dump-off machine. He's going to be running routes out of the backfield. He's going to be running wheel routes. Baker Mayfield is going to be finding Rashad White all over the place. Kate Otten is the tight end. So again, everything that I'm saying points to targets for Godwin and White. White and Godwin, that's why they're great players to select back to back. I can't believe this. You know, the, the team that's going to be potentially finishing last in the NFL, you're you're overexposed to White and Godwin and you're, you're pounding White and Godwin back to back in those middle rounds. And it's like, yeah, yeah, because guess what? Certain teams that don't win games have to throw. And they have nothing else to fall back on. It's not like they have a B. John Robinson they're going to be giving the ball to. It's not like they have one of the best running games in the league. They don't. right? They have Tristan Wirfs, and they're rebuilding the rest of their offensive line. I don't think Ryan Jensen's been out there yet, which is a big problem. It's a problem. So they're not going to run the ball that efficiently. Guess what? Rashad White may not be the most efficient between the tackles runner this season, just like he was not last season. And that's going to be okay. He can still be an RB1 in fantasy. You don't need to be this yards-created machine between the tackles. As long as you're getting the swing passes, as long as they're getting you pitches to the outside, and you can be efficient on the edges as a running back, and especially heavily used in the passing game, and he's the only running back they trust in the red zone, he's going to put up huge fantasy numbers. Godwin is going to be just peppered with targets. He's now another year removed from the ACL tear. I, again, the, the the ADP, the fantasy ADP on God, because it's not like you're going to bet on this team, right? Unless you can bet on a no. team finishing last. Oh, hell no. <laughs> can you bet on teams finishing last? You can in Vegas, I've, right? I've seen it in Vegas before, finishing okay. fourth in their division. So that would be one. But I, would, I, I don't know about that. Like, I, I don't even know they're going to finish last. I know that the cupboard has been cleaned out on the defensive side, on the offensive line, as we talked about. That's the reason to bet against them. That's the reason to believe they're going to finish last. But, I mean, even coming off the ACL tear, okay, Chris Godwin commanded 142 targets last year. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, But guess what? He had more than 200 receiving yards greater than he had air yards. So he had to do it all with yak because Tom Brady didn't have any time and he didn't have the explosiveness all the way back to get down the field. He just manufactures fantasy points and production any way he can. He's 27 years old. His ADP has dropped a full round at the FFPC. He's now available at pick 58, which is the 5-6 turn. And so if I'm drafting late in round five, I'm grabbing Godwin. Then early round six, I'm grabbing Rashad White. That's how you play this team. That's how you do it. And I don't really see anything else worth talking about in this entire division.
1: We wasted our time.
0: that's how you do it and i don't really see anything
1: else worth talking about in this entire division we wasted our time it took them giving up dj martin to go get bryce young which is part of the issue that they have in their receiver room right now Ah! this could all blow up in their faces and they end up with drake may next year and suddenly we're talking about them in a very different light
0: houston tennessee 49ers colts panthers
1: falcons packers Oof. I mean what, 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 things like the can't lose parlay, clearly a joke.
0: We have AT Perry ranked ahead of Michael Thomas in dynasty. Tampa can't make the playoffs. Tampa uh, could be the worst team in the league, though Baker Mayfield has impressed in preseason. He has, you got to admit it. They're on Caleb Williams watch. Oof. I mean,
1: what? I mean, what? I'm more of the opinion that I can't believe Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw lied to us.
0: (laughs) ESPN's not good at sports betting and sports booking. Hey, maybe this guy's just trying to pass on a beat report. Leave him alone, man. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) maybe not pile on here maybe this doesn't make sense but it's it's more about the careers launched to me than anything else calm down it's sports so it's a little less cool now it's going to get really really uncool in 10 years in fact uh we'll we'll uh we'll talk about this uh, at length in a minute because i i actually we have to uh we have to go to a, a segment and i'm uh i'm clearly flailing um and uh oh right 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 here we go uh so uh and but we're we're actually we're 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 gonna talk about that tweet after this so michael orr was the britney spears of the nfl i'm more of the opinion that i can't believe sandra bullock and tim mcgraw lied to us zay flowers practiced for one day and left a.t perry was a stud the entire week Officially, we have A.T. Perry ranked ahead of Michael Thomas in Dynasty. Go get Austin Eckler. Yes, I have Austin Eckler ahead of Christian McCaffrey. On my personal rankings, who I'm drafting, I trust Eckler at this point in his career to stay healthy more than I trust Christian McCaffrey. I also think there's less competition for touches in what's going to be a more prolific offense, so there's more upside with los angeles than there is with san francisco ah! the panthers can win games with their defense no one's loyal to woge no one's loyal to adam schefter dave portnoy doing dave portnoy things at age 60 would just be super 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 sad so it's already getting a little sad with with how old he is now uh, he's no longer in his 20s
1: Oof. Oof! I mean, what? We? We?